This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Like that time you did Salvia with your mom and she was an Oompa Loompa? Yes. Hello and welcome to Above the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season five, episode five of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, No Place Like Home. As well as Gilmore Girls, we got us a Pippi version. I'm still torn, honestly. Very different tones. Yeah, yeah, Buffy's was kind of a serious one. Well, except for some moments. I don't know how you're torn. Honestly, I think this is like a hands down clear victory for one side. I, I'm going to, we're going to talk about it. Okay. If you vote for Charmed, get the fuck out of here. It's a good one that I haven't even looked at yet. I guarantee you it's going to be a stupid description. <laughs> it's going off the rails and it was, an, it was barely on the rails in season one. I lied to you. I have read it. It is stupid. <laughs> So we put this in the episode description and social media post for our last episode, but after episode two of season five, we got some letters, not letters, but messages and things. We've been getting letters. I've been <laughs> cutting them up. I'm afraid to wear wear them. You shouldn't wear letters, Brian. You don't know what I do when you're gone. <laughs> well, it's I wear leather. I, I wear letters. Leather letters? Yes. Okay. People have been sending me leather letters. It's part <laughs> of a vocal warm-up project that I'm doing on the side. Method vocal warm-up project. Yeah. Okay. We get letters about how Dawn was originally written as a much younger character, eight or nine, but they cast Michelle Trachtenberg, then just kind of didn't adjust much for the fact that she was older. So some of the jokes we have made in some of the episodes have poked fun at how they don't know how to write for children. I mean, I stand by the fact that when they started shooting, they knew they had a 14-year-old actress, and they do adjust a bit. So they could have probably adjusted a bit more. Yeah, when anyone says to us, like, oh, well, she was written much younger. Well, like, okay, I understand that she was written much younger. Then it was a mistake to not alter the script. Right. I mean, I get some stuff maybe they didn't want to change, but eh. you cannot put ice cream on her face. I'm sorry, but, like, if I, you're presenting us the show. You can't present us an episode of the show and then have a disclaimer afterwards, like, we know this character was kind of crazy, but, you know, we thought we were going to get a younger actress, so. Exactly, because, like, these people that have given us this information think so much. Like, we, I don't research the show at all because I can't. Right. But, like, when did this information become public? Like, as soon as you watched the episode, you didn't know that Michelle Trachtenberg was supposed to be eight years old. Exactly. Like, I didn't know that to this day. And it's possible today you could find that out even before watching Buffy. But we're trying not to, like, deep dive into these episodes before we watch them. Yeah. Especially you. You're trying to stay, like, a clean slate. So we're judging it by what we're being presented. And uh, I can see why that was a conundrum if they had a younger actress than they had anticipated. But then you need to adjust. I couldn't, like, have a scene be real shitty and be like, listen, this was written for, like, a much better actress than we got. Right. But unfortunately, the actress sucked. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is not a criticism of the people that pointed this out to us. It's a criticism of the show not adjusting. Yeah, and I I realized what I just said baby sounded like I was shitting on Michelle Trachtenberg, and I wasn't. I was just giving another example. Oh, I didn't think you were. I thought you just meant like another example of a similar thing. We're going to watch a new episode of Buffy tonight and Gilmore, and I'm excited to have some wine because our last wine was great. Yeah, it was so good. It really was. It was the 2020 Salvatage Rosé. I 
Really loved it. Yeah, it was good. It was just so light and like just the taste of it is like exactly what I want in a rosé. If you get it and you hate it, I'm sorry. It's what our mouths really love. And I know we keep getting questions from people like, what do your mouths love? And here's the answers. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, we are, of course, talking about our partnership with Wink.com, which is a online wine subscription service with no monthly fees. You can cancel it whenever you want. You can skip a month. But if you use the link in our episode description or social media bios, you can get your first four bottles for just $29.95 plus free shipping. You go online, take a quiz. They tell you what kind of wines you're going to like. You can take their suggestions or take what you want. But wine will be sent to your door. And if you get the 2020 Selvatage Rosé and you have a similar mouth to mine, you're going to be very happy. Yeah. It's my favorite so far. I mean, there's been some good red ones. We usually get mostly red, but that was my favorite rosé so far. I was like, this is summer. Be sure to use our promo code Gilmore Slayer. Yes, when you check out, be sure to type in Gilmore Slayer so they know that we sent you. Yeah. Do we have any new five-star reviews? We do. Thank you so much to Kaldu and from Canada, Sonia Marie Too, and from Australia, Snow White Lee. Thank you. Did anything else exciting happen to us this week? Okay, we had a, we had a scammer come to our door. You guys had this? I have. Person comes to your door and they're like, "Oh, uh, I'm from the Energy Mumble Mumble." We see that your bill's gone up like 40%. We want to see what we can do about that. Uh, can you bring your bill to us so we can take a look at it? And you hear that, and I'm like, what? And I was like, you work for the power company? And then she's got like a little tag, and she like rolls her eyes, shows me the tag. And I'm like, okay, but it doesn't say Con Edison, which is what we use. And so I was like, okay. And then I come in the house, I'm sort of like, wait, what am I doing? I'm getting her the bill to look at? Sure enough, I just look it up, and it's like, yeah, this is a scam where they get your signature and your account number, and then they, like, switch you to pay more for energy, and then you don't find out for, like, 90 days when it's too late. So you chased her throughout the apartment, warning others about her nefarious purpose. Yeah, I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> Maybe a lot like Luke in some regards. But, yeah, it just made me so mad. I was like, you should leave the building, too. And she's like, no. And she's going door to door doing this. So I just kind of followed her around. I was like, hey, she's she's lying, guys. She doesn't work for the power company. She eventually left. But she is a guest on the podcast today. So here we go. How are you doing, Annette? Go ahead. <laughs> I hate this. Well, this week, guys, we started with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stacy, can you tell us all about No Place Like Home? You know what's interesting? Hmm. Both titles have to do with young girl childhood movies. Okay. No place I guess like Wizard home. of Oz is a, a girl's movie? I mean, it stars a young girl. It's true, yeah. Who's lost in a strange land. As Does she have pigtails? Yes. Oh. And Pippi See, Longstocking. I'm telling you, this is connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't mention Wizard of Oz at all in Buffy that I can remember, but it is about a lost young girl. What is this episode about? Is that what you asked me? Yeah. I mean, it's about some monks and an orb and a new mean lady, and through all of this, we... Don't really get a ton of answers, but we do kind of learn the deal with Dawn. That's big. Yeah. I don't know that we have it all figured out, but we, we've got a lot of information now. And Giles opened his magic shop. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into all the nitty grits. So we open with some monks two months ago, frantically running from something that's trying to kill them. They're speaking a different language. The captains don't say which, and they barricade themselves into a room and say their lives are not important, but they have to protect the key. They start chanting, doing some kind of ritual, but something's trying to bust down the door. Will they get the ritual done in time? Seems like it. There's like a little puff of light that goes up just as the door busts down. Something is coming for them, and it is knocking that door down, and it sounds big and strong and mean. Sounds that way. Yeah. Cut to now. That's what it says. It says now. 
Buffy is fighting a very big vampire in like a parking lot outside a warehouse. A security guard comes out all like, sorry, lady, if you're looking for the rave, you're in the wrong place. But if it was up to me, I'd let you rave all night. I don't really give a fuck. I've got a lot of lines, don't I? Probably because I'm going to be important later in the episode and the writers want you and the audience don't remember my face. And see that I'm kind of a nice guy. Uh <laughs> seem normal, right? Oh, also this building is abandoned. That might come in handy later in the episode as well. Oh, hey, uh, Buffy, you forgot this plot device. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you uh, you dropped this little glowing orb. Kids these days, what is this thing? He hands her just like a glowing orb. That was just like on the ground nearby? That he assumes she dropped, I guess. Yeah, he thinks it's like a rave thing. Yeah. It's not. She's never seen this before. She takes it, though. She's just like, cool, bet I'll need it. Right. Her plan for the day is to figure it out, but first she's going to prepare a nice breakfast for still mysteriously sick Joyce. Dawn's like, what's all this? And Buffy's like, ew, don't help. You suck. I hate you. And then Dawn just like knocks over a vase immediately, breaks it. Joyce walks in and is like, oh, this looks nice. Did you two do all this? And Dawn's like, oh, Buffy helped. <laughs> Buffy's like, what? What? I, I didn't help. Joyce is like, oh, I'm sure you did. Dawn like commandeered this breakfast she had nothing to do with. Yeah. Joyce is having headaches. They're still doing tests on her and they still have no idea what's wrong with her. Buffy's pretty concerned about Joyce and she's also really jealous of the relationship between Joyce and Dawn. They're being all like snuggly during these sick times. Joyce has a cute nickname for her. They've got a book club. So Buffy like rips Dawn off of Joyce and decides she's taking her with her to Giles Magic Store Grand Opening. Giles is just perfectly posed in the middle of his store dressed like a little wizard with a pointy hat just like a big goofy smile on his face. This scene is so good. It's so good. Buffy doesn't say anything. They just like stare at each other for a long beat. The shot lingers forever. I love it. His face does not change. She's not like really looking on disapprovingly, but he can just tell by her expression that what he's done is not as cool as he thought it would be. <laughs> he takes it off. Yeah, Buffy's not saying anything, but I feel like she's definitely kind of giving him like a dumble don't look. <laughs> <laughs> so funny how long was he standing like that before she came in he just smiles so proud for like three minutes <laughs> yeah i really if you know the evolution of this scene let us know like was this written was this actor choice how did this come about it was very funny i loved it i just love how he just like silently takes it off <laughs> after yeah. she stares at him don catches up to buffy i guess buffy tried to run away from her even though she brought her, I guess she was just trying to keep her from Joyce because she was jealous. Well, originally they had uh, written the script for a much faster, younger sister. <laughs> and so Michelle Tradimer couldn't keep up. <laughs> Don's like, whoa, cool. Look at all the magic junk. Our new slogan, Giles. <laughs> he's been open for a little over an hour, but still hasn't had any business. So he's like a little worried this isn't going to work. Yeah. Then Willow and Riley come in. Willow's like, Giles, where's your hat and cloak? So she thought this was a good idea. I really wish Willow had come in first. I just want Giles to have a win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Guy deserves a win. Well, you got to imagine there was a scene where he tried it on for her and she was like, definitely. Everyone will love. Yeah. Perfect. This is your uniform. Buffy can't deal with the fact that anybody thought this was a good idea. So she whips out the glowing orb. Riley's like, a ball? I fucking love balls. We should patrol tonight and look for more balls. <laughs> and Dawn's like, actually, I heard Buffy say you're like a big baby kitten now and that you're kind of just getting her way. Come on, Dawn. I like 
don't believe anyone would say that. Again, is this like one of those things where she was supposed to be eight and just like not aware that this would be embarrassing? I get that Dawn might have resentment towards her sister and might say something that would hurt her sister feeling or out a secret about her sister. Yes. But this is just like making Riley feel like shit. And like she doesn't have any beef with Riley. And this truly felt like she doesn't realize that that's weird to say. Yeah. So that line of dialogue I really didn't like. I was like, no, you wouldn't have said that. But like maybe an eight-year-old would say that. So maybe this is just one of those mistakes that they couldn't really change. Maybe an eight-year-old would. I could see her saying something like, are you sure you want to go, Riley? Because like you're a lot weaker now. I just know that Buffy's, it's probably hard for Buffy to protect, like not realizing it's hurting his feelings. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Riley's like, cool, cool. I'm going to go to the back room and punch some shit. <laughs> And Buffy's about to take Dawn outside to kill her, but Willow stops her to try to convince her to go easy on Dawn. Buffy's not having it. She says she wishes she would earn only child. Meanwhile, Dawn breaks something else. Come on, Dawn. It's so crazy because we're all really identifying with Buffy in this scene. Because? We don't want her to have a sister. <laughs> like, Dawn sucks, man. Yeah, she's she breaks a lot of things. I especially feel like in the first couple episodes, specifically this episode, like, they really set Dawn up to be annoying. Just, like, really obnoxious. Mm -hmm. To the point where you're like, no one is this obnoxious. I, I do have some thoughts about that later, but I feel like we're supposed to kind of side with Buffy right now. Like, God, yeah, I roll every time Dawn walks on the screen. That's why I said in, like, the first episode when everyone was, like, telling Buffy she's being ridiculous for hating Dawn. I'm like, no, she's the worst. You don't want to have her around. So they go home. Joyce is in a lot of pain. Buffy's trying to convince her to go to the doctor. Joyce is like, no, no, I just need my prescription. Buffy's like, cool. I'm going to the hospital pharmacy. As soon as she said that, I was like, we're going to see that bang guy again. Like, why else would we specifically need to see her trip to the pharmacy unless we're right. getting a hospital scene? Mm -hmm. And sure enough, hunky baby Ben, who again reminds us he's an intern, is strapping an angry man to a table. Buffy helps by pinning him down with her strength. Ben's like, whoa, you're a strong lady. Who the fuck is Ben? Why, why do we need Ben? Is he a love interest? It's either that or the hospital is going to be a big character this season and they wanted to give it a pretty face. Are we, are you, I'm confused. I'm sorry. Are you suggesting that there's some connection between Ben and the storyline this season? Yes. I'm thinking the hospital is a big location. I don't see it. Whatever. Ben is Logan. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because Logan is the star of a medical drama now called The Resident, which oh, is yeah. what Ben is. It's funny. This time he specifically says he's not a doctor yet. He is an intern. Yeah. But if my friend who is a first year doctor is correct, the show is wrong. Like you might call yourself an intern if you're a new doctor, but you still are a doctor. Yeah. He also calls himself, he says people call him a nurse. So is he even a doctor? I don't know that we know that yet. Does he say he's having his residency? Well, he says I am a doctor. Well, not yet. Got it. He's probably like a test away and it's seeing if he can make it through season five. <laughs> anyway. This guy they're strapping to the table is, of course, the security guard from the beginning. Buffy's like, I know this guy. He's not crazy. I mean, you talked to him for like five seconds, Buffy. And he was very chatty. He might be crazy. You don't know him. Yeah, it's, she's like, he wasn't like this. It's like, yeah, you, you met him like very briefly. Like, he could have been like this all day, got it together for work. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure we're to believe there was like a sudden shift in him and he was a nice, normal man. Yeah, but totally. You don't know him. <laughs> He's saying stuff like, I don't belong here. I have important instructions. He calls Ben a fascist. He points to the medicine that Buffy's picking up for Joyce and says it doesn't help and that they're coming at Buffy through her family. 
What the hell? I don't know. They wheel him away before he can further explain. At the magic box, business is picking up a bit. Giles has made a sale. He's very excited. Anya comes in. She says his conjuring powder is grossly overpriced and that she can hook him up with the troll that sheds it. Yeah, that was funny. I love that. She seems a little concerned about her financial situation, setting up for later. Buffy comes in, telling them how the security guard who found the orb went crazy overnight. So they all just like back away from the orb. She's like, chill, it won't hurt us. I had it on me all night. Again, you're the slayer. Maybe you're special with this orb, but you also don't know that the orb wasn't like sitting in that parking lot for a month, slowly poisoning him over time. Yeah. Also, they like find this orb and they're like, oh, it's like magic. You don't know that that's not like uranium or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that could be just my first thought wouldn't be like, ooh, magic orb. It'd be like, huh, is this radioactive? Right. It could be anything. Yeah. Maybe put in a box or something. Exactly. And exactly what you said, which is like, didn't affect me. You're the slayer. <laughs> like, you could get shot and be fine. No, well, not fine. It w- she wouldn't like being shot, but. Wouldn't she die from being shot? Well, it depends where she got shot. My point is she would heal faster than a regular person. Sure, but she can't get shot in the head and survive. No, she cannot get shot in the head and survive. Till season seven, I don't know. Meanwhile, at the warehouse, a single monk is marking something on a map. And dating on Tinder. He's looking to not be a single monk anymore. He wants to be. (laughs) Do you guys ever go on single monk? It's it's weird. (laughs) I like he's just in his robes, candles, still got a fucking cell phone he's dating on he won't text just vow silence just all emojis he can emoji (laughs) (laughs) all of our monk listeners are gonna be offended man we won't hear about it okay well uh uh-oh uh-oh another leather letter no (laughs) i was doing a uh uh-oh from the show okay someone that he calls the beast suddenly busts through a big metal wall but the beast is like a sexy lady in a red dress and heels and kind of acts like a literal crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah, totally. She ties him up. She's very upset that she has to be in this mortal coil. So she's clearly some kind of otherworldly being in human form. She's upset at Monk for being selfish and not telling her where the key is. He doesn't want to tell her. He'd rather she just kill him. There's just another random dude there too. Another security guard, I think. He's just kind of silently in the corner for a while. Mm-hmm. He's like, let us go. I have a wife and kids. And then she starts getting all emotional, acting like the victim. She kind of goes off on this rant where she's like maybe fighting off other personalities. And I did not catch this the first time. I don't know if you did either. But she specifically says something about sitting on a tuffet. Uh-huh. So this is all somehow tied into Faith's graduation daydream and the crazy old man who accosted Don on the street. All the Ms. Muffet universe, this is connected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That seems like nonsense, but whether Miss Muffet means anything or not, it's clearly all supposed to be connected. Yeah. And then she just kind of sticks her fingers through the head of that security guard and she feels better. Did he die? He like kind of moans for a while after she stops. Uh, no, he did not die. That looks bad, by the way. Oh, you mean like special effect wise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't look great. Well, Buffy is not known for its amazing special effects. Maybe you forgot about the guy, the... Mas Macho Potion Man. No. Whose head just like vibrated until the makeup was put on it. (laughs) But now business is really booming over at the magic shop. Giles is quite overwhelmed. So much so that he's seeking comfort in Xander. (laughs) (laughs) Things are bad, man. Anya, though, is like kind of in her element. By that I mean she seems comfortable. Like the only one that's not really flustered. Yeah. She's taking charge of the cash wrap. But she's um, not great with people. 
She hands a woman her bag and just says, please go. <laughs> but Xander actually very thoughtfully explains to her that she's got to say, have a nice day. She's like, why? I have their money. Who cares what kind of day they have? She's right, man. I've told so many customers to have a nice day, and I've maybe never once meant it. Have you ever told someone to have a nice day and you do mean it, though? That's like a nice feeling. You know, when someone did something nice at your job, or they, like, gave you a donut, or they, like, tipped you extra, and you're like, you have a nice day, and you just, you mean it. You, like, you send it in the universe. Like, it happens, just not that often, you know? Right. It's like most people I say it to, I don't want them to have a bad day, but it's not like I'm going to think about them once they're gone. Yeah, like if a god came down and was like, do you want to give a little bit of your energy so they have a good day? I'd be like, no, not at all. Buffy's not really helping with the store. She's busy reading, trying to figure out what's wrong with her mom. Anya tells Buffy about this old French sorcerer who had a spell which translated to pull the curtain back, where one can go into a trance and see any trace signatures left by other spells. So, for example, Buffy could see, like, a hand choking her mother or the shape of the demon that's hurting her. Buffy's like, cool, I'm going to go home and do this trance alone right now. And everyone's like, "Mm, maybe don't do it alone. She's like, no, I can definitely do this alone. But then she does ask Riley to come help her get this all set up. But it's clearly it's just to make him feel useful after what Dawn accidentally dished earlier. He sees right through this. He's like, yeah, you don't need me for this. And he insists he's really okay with his new lack of strength, but I don't know. No. He's saying that, but I don't know. No, he's not okay. I do think that it's interesting because the show did set up that she, like, has been working on her concentration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, the idea of her doing this trance isn't like, a, could Buffy do that? Like, she has been working on, like, specifically this skill. But you pointed this out, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, Riley leaves. He's like, All right, I feel, like, useless. I'm going to go home. Yeah, they they make a deal to not be weird about this stuff anymore. We'll see. But yeah, then he goes. But like, why not hang out? Like, if she needs to do the trance by herself, okay. Just go downstairs, and then when she comes down, like, you know, don't mess with her. Just help her out if she needs help. Yeah, like, wouldn't you want someone there to just, like, make sure you don't have a seizure and die or something? Yeah. Like, that time you did Salvia with your mom and she was in Oompa Loompa? Yes. Is that a story I can tell? Yeah. I think I've told it. Haven't I? I don't know. One time I did salvia. It was a drug that for a brief moment was legal, incredibly hallucinogenic, but it only lasts for honestly like 30, 40 seconds, 60 seconds, and then it goes away. So it's crazy because it's like very hallucinogenic and then it's over. I was in college, I think, but I was at home. I told my mom I wanted to try this drug, but I was a little scared because it's very powerful. So I was like, I'm going to do it. It's legal. So you don't you can't really stop me, but I'd be cool if you were here. And she's like, all right, sure. I'll be like your babysitter if something happens. So I do it. I like smoke it. And I look up. Before I look up, my mom says like, is it working? And I look up and my mom is just now an Oompa Loompa. And so I was like, yes, it is. And then I just went to my room until I calmed down. (laughs) Just looked up. She's just an Oompa Loompa. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm. yeah, I believe it is working. Now, to be fair, my mom always wears uh, white overalls and a lot of orange makeup. Always an orange face. (laughs) Huge Trump supporter, always trying to just emulate him. This was even before he was president. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Before he went for the orange makeup. She was like, I know he's gonna, I can just feel it. But Buffy doesn't see Oopalopas. She pours herself some trance sand. She lights some incense, which, of course, Dawn smells and wants to come watch the magic. Buffy's like, no, I hate you, go away. So Dawn goes to her room and slams the door. Then Buffy slips off into trance land. Maybe it takes a while. It like gets dark out. But then she snaps out of the meditative state and finds herself walking through her house with like a filter on it. Just like the coloring slightly different. And there's like some eerie music. It's I cool. actually thought this looked really cool and sounded mm-hmm. cool. I liked the effect here. 
And this is like in real time, right? Like she's seeing her yeah. real house, almost mm-hmm. like she's just walking through it on like a hallucinogen. Yeah. And then she bumps into Joyce, who's feeling a lot better. So she's decided to go out for a couple hours. And Buffy's just like, there's nothing. Meaning she sees nothing weird around Joyce. But then behind Joyce, Buffy sees a photo that Dawn is flickering in and out of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joyce is like, okay, bye. And then Buffy notices Dawn flickering in and out of another photo. So she goes to Dawn's room to investigate. Dawn's whole room is flickering between a teen's bedroom and like a storage room, whatever it was before Dawn. And then Dawn shows up and she too is flickering. She's like, who said you could come in my room? And Buffy's all like, you're not my sister. Trance ends. Buffy grabs her. She's all like, what are you? Dawn's like, I don't like this. I'm telling mom. Buffy's like, you stay away from my mom. And she slams her into the wall. Which, you know, is uh, scary. Yeah. But Buffy will have this done to her later, so it's fine. (laughs) Luckily, the phone rings right then, or Buffy might have killed her. Yeah. It's Giles. He's got info about the orb. Store is now very, very busy, by the way. He says the orb is called the Dagonsphere. It's a protective device used to ward off ancient primordial evil, and it was created to repel that which cannot be named. He asks how the trance went, but Dawn is now standing there, so Buffy's like, uh, it didn't work, gotta go. Giles makes a point of saying when something says, like, something that can't be named, that's usually, like, real bad. Yeah, he specifically says it's, like, generally something to do with, like, worship or fear or both. It makes me think of, like, Lovecraftian things. Sure. Which is, like, you can't really give a name to that thing because it's just so crazy, powerful, big, like, yeah, you could put a name on it, but that's not his name. It doesn't have a name. Right. So Dawn's standing there. Buffy's like, bye, bitch. I gotta go do Slayer stuff. Dawn's all like, do you think I care that you're the Slayer? Now, by the end of this episode, we do kind of find out the deal with Dawn. And as far as I know, she's not bad. But for the next chunk of the show, they really want us to think she is. And it is cool. Like Some of it's well done, but it doesn't all quite make sense. More on that in a bit. But as Buffy heads out, Dawn's all like, mom's coming back, you know, in a way that's like, I've got big plans to kill mom. Yeah. And Buffy's like, that's okay. I'll be back first. So Buffy goes outside and runs into Spike hiding behind a tree. He's like nervous to see her. (laughs) So in case you forgot, in the last episode, he like realized that he's in love with Buffy. Yes. He had a, a sexy dream about her where he woke up and was like, oh, I have feelings. It's so cute. He's clearly like, doesn't know what to say. But you know, she punches him. That's how she says hi. She's all like, what are you doing here, William? Five words or less. He says, out for a walk, bitch. (laughs) She's like, oh yeah, I just happened to be walking by my house. He insists, yes, that's just so happened to be where he was walking. Bullshit, Buffy. Yes, it is possible. But he wasn't like on the sidewalk. He was on the lawn, hiding behind a tree. I guess you could argue he was just walking by and hid when he heard you coming, but also, like, he knows where you live yeah. and probably would have avoided your house. But she's just like, fine, I believe you. I won't kill you. Bye. That makes no sense. Like, the show at this point, we know Spike's in love with Buffy. She doesn't know that. But, like, this whole scene is like, you need to kill Spike. He's plotting right now. He just tried to kill you an episode ago. Yes. And it gets worse. Yeah. He starts saying all this mean stuff to her. He calls Riley Captain Cardboard, which is very funny. His insults are creative and poetic for a bit, but then it just quickly becomes him, like, grasping for straws. Yeah. I I never liked you. Your your hair's stupid. (laughs) He just walks off. And Buffy notices about 12 cigarette butts on the ground by the tree. 
This is simultaneously the cutest thing I've ever seen and the biggest red flag in the world. I know, right? Like, he's obviously been there a while, and she has no idea he has a crush on her. So she has to assume his reason for being there is bad. Yeah, again, just tried to kill her, has been trying to kill her. We know he's in love, but she doesn't. He's plotting something. He's going to kill your family or something right now. Right. And I know she's very distracted right now. But come on, Buffy. Read the tree. (laughs) But it's also adorable. It's adorable for us. Yeah. I guess unless he's like peeping Tomming. That's creepy. But I like to think he was just like working up the courage to say something nice. But when you say peeping Tomming is creepy, I agree with you. It is. But like he is evil. So like... Right, right, right. But I mean, was he there trying to work up the courage to tell her he loves her? Or was he there to like see her naked? I would say all of the above, honestly. I mean, in my mind, I don't know. Because we don't like later be like, what were you doing there? And then he's like, I was doing this. I think he was there and he was just trying to figure out his feelings. I guess Buffy now has confirmed that the thing that is trying to kill her family is Dawn and probably doesn't suspect that it's Spike. But she can have multiple things trying to kill her family right now. Yeah, that's true. By the way, speaking of Dawn, she's creeping on all this from the window. Joyce has started to feel sick again, so she comes home early. And this is what doesn't super make sense. Dawn just kind of pops up behind her with a cup of tea. Joyce asks her where Buffy is, and Dawn is like, You don't have to worry about her. They're trying to make Dawn seem creepy, and I know she's mad at Buffy, but I feel like she'd actually say something like, I don't know, she threw me into a wall and then left. Like, she's mad at her. I think she'd want to make her look bad to Joyce. Right. But then she says, do you want tea, Mom? I made it for you. It's definitely not poison. She doesn't say that last part, but, like, you weren't expecting her home until after Buffy got back. Does she like room temperature tea that you're getting ready an hour in advance? (laughs) So this was creepy just to misdirect, but the misdirection math doesn't totally add up. I would, I could argue something. So I... I feel like I'm defending the show too much by saying this, but this episode has already shown us Dawn jumping on Buffy's accomplishments. Like Buffy made breakfast for her mother and then Mm -hmm. Dawn essentially like took credit for it. I could see a world where Dawn made herself some tea and then her mom came home and she was like, oh no, I made this for you. Sure. It could also be that Dawn doesn't make tea often and like doesn't see something wrong with preparing tea an hour in advance. Yeah, thinks that'll be a sweet idea and thinks it might take an hour so she gets a jump start. I do think it was just the writing doesn't make sense, but I do feel like the creepiness she's trying to kill her mom misdirect does work here. Yeah, like in the moment it is cool and I was like, oh, Dawn could be evil. Yeah. But like once you have all the pieces, it's like, well, she what bothered me most when she didn't directly answer her question about where Buffy was. She's just like, don't worry about her. It's like, well, why don't you just say she said she was going out? I don't know. Yeah. And Joyce just accepts that. The magic shop is now closed. Everyone's very tired, except Anya. She's counting the money, talking business strategy. Giles is like, shut up and work for me. (laughs) That sounds like the line of dialogue I heard. Kind of. He's like mad, but then offers her a job. She's like, okay, boss. So they set up already in this season. Anya's like picking up on how good with money she is. Oh, in life? Yeah, she was playing life, and she was, like, way ahead. And she was like, yeah, I've got all this money. Can I, like, trade the kids in for more money? But, like, fun. she gets capitalism. Yeah, that's cool. Because, I mean, I, I feel like she is a bit of a sociopath. Well, yeah. And, like, she's, like, good in services. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That makes sense. I can participate in this system. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad she's finding a purpose. Buffy has gone to the warehouse. She notices the big metal door that was busted through. 
She sees the monk. She unties him. She tells him she's found the Dagon Sphere. Not to worry. She's stronger than she looks, and she's used to stuff like this. Meanwhile, the beast is sneaking up behind her. But Buffy, she knows that. She's like, look, lady, I could feel you. I'm not stupid. And the lady's like, yeah, well, can you slap someone through a cement wall? Because I can. <laughs> she does. A few times. Buffy's like, okay, she's strong. I actually really like that. Because, like, Buffy gets slammed to that wall, and, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar's look is like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, that wasn't, like, a just a strong punch. Yeah, yeah. She this just, a like, very slapped strong her, too. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even like she threw her. She just kind of like backhanded her a little. Yeah. Buffy manages to hit her and dodge her a bit. And then the beast is like, oh, cute. I just noticed you too have superpowers. I loved that because I really feel like that tells us how strong this creature is. That she's like, oh, I didn't even really notice. Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of wondered why you were still alive. It's because right. you've got powers. She asked Buffy if she can fly. And uh, we all know Buffy cannot. But she tests it out anyway. Buffy gets a few hits in on Glory and Who? the Beast. <laughs> the Beast. Her name's uh, been a little spoiled for me. I have a feeling she's the one that belongs in the Glorificus Mansion. I don't know anything about that. The Whatever this creature's name is, uh, this glorious creature, <laughs> it's almost like the Beast doesn't care. It's sort of like, not like, oh my God, you're beating me up, but it's more like, oh my God, you beat me. You're like fighting back? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's more, because it doesn't seem to matter to her, I don't feel like. Right. Buffy's like, okay, that's enough of this. She takes the monk and jumps out a glass window. The beast starts to run after them, but then she breaks her heel. I wondered if those wouldn't be important because they had like a close-up of her feet when she first showed up. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about her, but maybe she's not super used to being in this body. But at the same time, I assume she chose to be in heels. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't get to choose this body specifically. Mm. I guess we'll find out. I have so many answers, but I can't say. (laughs) But she's upset. She stomps her feet and breaks the building. I assume that's not the end of her. She just can't follow them for some reason. No, she's dead now. Okay. They named the mansion after her? Yeah. I mean, they build a mansion there and they call it the Glorificus Mansion. <laughs> they come up with a name for her and then name the yeah. mansion. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's sort of like, wow, weird introduction for this new location. Buffy's trying to get the monk out of there. He's like, I am dying. Can we just like sit here and talk until I die? He goes on to tell her that she must protect the key. Or a lot more people are going to die if she doesn't keep it safe. She's like, what? That's the best duck impression you've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) He says the key's energy, a portal that opens the door. And historically, it doesn't have a form, but he and the other monks were in charge of keeping it safe until the abomination, I assume this red lady, found them and they had to hide the key. So they put it into a human form and sent it to Buffy to keep it safe, a.k.a. Dawn. This dawns on Buffy as well. He says they did stuff to Buffy and her mom and all of her friends' memories to make them think that Dawn was always there. She's mad about this. She's mad that they put this very sought-after object in her house. She wants more answers, but this dude is dying. His parting words are that Dawn is a helpless, innocent human and she needs Buffy. And she doesn't know that she's not Buffy's sister. Yeah, but I, I think specifically she's like, you know, she's not my sister. And then the monk's like, but she doesn't know that. Right. Like, really driving home that, like, he doesn't say these, like, but I feel like the vibe is, I get that this is a burden put on you, but, like, she's innocent. You're the only one that can protect her. She doesn't know. You know, she didn't put herself there. How does the monk know Buffy? He just knows her because he's magic adjacent and so is she. Well, I mean, he knows there's a slayer and Dracula set up that she's known worldwide. Mm. It's unclear where they're from. At some point, the beast says, speak English, we're in the new world now, but we don't really know what the old world is. She seems otherworldly. 
it seems like these monks are like warlocks too, right? Like they seem to be very powerful magicians. Yeah. Or witches. I don't know what they are because, I mean, they made the key, they gave it form. And they made all these memories, so I feel like they probably know of Buffy, and they probably can like look at her from afar. I don't know. They use spells and shit. Well, he dies. Buffy buries him, leaves him there. We don't know. But then we find out the next day, the security guard walks up to a passerby and is like, Hey, you left your uh, rave dead body over here. Did you want to take that home? Buffy goes home. Joyce and Don are on the couch. Joyce has not been poisoned by tea. Don's like, I wasn't bothering her, and storms off to her room, so Buffy follows her. Dawn's like, yeah, go away. We are fighting, and you were very violent to me. Buffy apologizes, but Dawn's not having it. Buffy's like, what? You can't take an apology? You always do that way. There is no always. She doesn't say that, but you can tell her brain is like, my memories are fake. And she sits down next to her and, you know, tries to apologize again, just saying she had a bad day. She kind of brushes Dawn's hair behind her ear. And Dawn asks her, what's wrong with mom? Buffy's like, I don't know. That's that's kind of the end. I mean, you can kind of tell that Buffy's like, well, fuck, what am I supposed to do with this thing? I do care about her somewhat because I have these memories of her being my sister, but I don't really like her that much. Mm -hmm. And now it turns out I don't even know her, but I've been tasked with keeping her safe from unknown forces for unknown reasons. I know she's not my sister, but I feel like she is. And regardless, I've been told it's important to protect her. I also think that line from Dawn when she's like, what's wrong with mom is important because I think Buffy's like senses right then that this person, this thing in front of her is somebody that's part of her family and cares about their mother. Right. Like she's also scared and going through shit because her mom who isn't her mom has a mystery disease. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And um, I'm interested to see what happens next. I assume Buffy's probably not going to tell Joyce and Dawn right away, but probably will at least tell the Scoobies. I have a theory. Oh, but you've seen the whole show, Brian. I know. So I don't think we go into a ton more about like the monks that made Dawn. I mean, there's more information to be had about all this, but like how the spells, what spells were used, how the spells are used. We don't go into any of that, really. We do go into some more of the like logistics of stuff. But there's a theory out there that Dracula, also a magician slash warlock, was sent to Sunnydale specifically to get some of Buffy's blood so that they could make Dawn. Because Dracula comes to Buffy in the first episode. There's no Dawn at this point. He shows up. He says to Buffy, you know, you're known all over the world. Gets her blood. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. She, like, kills Dracula. We never see Dracula actually try to really hurt Buffy. Like, there's seduction. He does bite her, but he doesn't kill her. Does it matter if they had Buffy's blood? Can they just make Dawn out of whatever? I don't know. I mean, is there any reason just because of, like, timing that this is a theory? Well, we never see Dracula die. But even if we do, he gets Buffy's blood and then he's gone for a while and then they see him that night. But keep in mind a couple of things. Like, his castle just mysteriously appears. Sort of like Dawn mysteriously just appears. But we also don't see Dawn until the whole Dracula thing is resolved. And then, oh yeah, I've got a sister. And you could argue that's just the writers being like, oh, this is a fun little thing we're going to tag at the end. Or it could be that this was all the process to bring Dawn into being. And it all had to happen before Dawn appeared. Yeah, that could be. That's cool. I also think there's a couple, there's a little bit more that like lends to that theory that I won't go into right now. But I, I think that's, if it's not what happened, I think that's a cool idea that fits. And I'm going to accept that as canon. I accept it, too. Okay. Well, I don't know the rest. There might be some blatant thing that's like, Dracula 
went to sleep after that. <laughs> we find out in season six. No, Dracula does come back in the comics. I don't know. I haven't read the comics. I don't know what they say about Dracula then. For all I know, he even explains that's not what happened. But the fact that he's in the comics, at least we know he lives. That's it. In theory. So do you think this was a good episode? Oh my god, yes. Dude. Dude. Now, it might have been that sweet rosé we were slamming. But, I mean, I was, like, tearing up when that Monk's dying and he's telling Buffy that, like, Dawn doesn't know she's not her sister. Yeah, but you love Monk's. I do love Monk's, dude. I'm at Monk Mingle all the time. <laughs> Single Monk. Yeah, there's a there's more than one app, okay? You can't. Yeah, I, uh, I I love that scene so much. I also like Glory as a villain. Oh. <laughs> I like the Beast as a villain. So she's coming back? And- no, but she just was really good in this episode, I thought. so. Does uh, like a naming fairy show up and give her and Lore names at some point in the future? <laughs> yeah, because we're on episode like five of Angel and they still haven't named Lorne yet either, have they? No. Yeah, again, you know, she doesn't come back, but it was still uh, just such a good introduction of a cool character idea they never go any more detail into. But, no, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm interested in her. I like that she seems a little um, schizophrenic, perhaps. Mm-hmm. That, like, just she seems very unpredictable. But I also thought the actress did a good job. Yeah. Because she was, like, sort of sensual, but also just, like, clearly evil. But she's sort of, like, playing a damsel sometimes. Like, she's using a lot of different things to yeah. manipulate and get what she wants. And I thought the actress did that well. Yeah, she's great. She was sort of a Sunday type, but so much better. Yeah. So I like that. And uh, I thought the reveal of Dawn with the flickering stuff, it was a cool way to reveal her without us knowing that that's what that was going to be. Like, she wants to know what's wrong with her mom. But, oh, nothing's wrong with your mom. But something's wrong with your sister. Something magical is wrong with your sister. Nothing magical is wrong with your mom. Yeah, we don't know what's wrong with Joyce. Yeah. There's still some unanswered stuff with like the crazy man in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Because we don't know what's coming for the... I feel like whatever's coming for her family is still coming for her family. Mm-hmm. And that could still be what's wrong with Joyce. Well, I'm... Tr- I I wonder about what that guy said. It could have multiple meanings. But let's just say one meaning, and I don't, I don't know what the right interpretation is because of other things that will happen this season. But one meaning could be he says that, that might not necessarily have been like a threatening thing. It could have been like they come through your family, like the monks did this. Because do you remember the crazy man that ran into Dawn? Yes. In the second episode? He seemed sort of aware that something weird was going on with Dawn. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I made that connection. Like Joyce and the crazy man on the street have both told Dawn she doesn't belong here. Yeah. So whatever's happening to Joyce, a similar thing was happening to that man. And that man on the street seems similar to what's happening with this man. Or, or somehow their brains are being affected that they are sometimes able to see that Dawn's not supposed to be there. Um, I can't speak to all that, but I feel like it's fair to tell you now that ugh, I don't know if what's fair or not fair. I can't. I have nothing to say. OK. I, what we can say is that Buffy did not see any magic around Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 5, Episode 5, Witches in Tights. The Charmed Ones are turned into superheroes by a student who can bring his drawings to life. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. This episode was very emotional. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, it started really, like, humorous because he makes the witches into, like, superheroines and it's, like, cool. But then he's like, oh, yeah, but I got all these villains. He's really big on, like, drawing big muscular villains. He drew a lot of them. 
And so they're getting overwhelmed. But then they show him their apartment, their place. Their house. They, yeah, they have a house. They also have an apartment they show him, but it's not that exciting. Uh, so they take him over to their mansion. When it's looking, it's most dire. What is it? The situation? The situation. With all the villains he's drawn. With all the villains that he's drawn. He's drawn so many. They have like axes for hands and stuff. He brings to life none other than Prue. Prue's like, whoa, whoa, I was living my best painting life. What is this? I'm not a fan of the third dimension, I'll have you guys know. Yeah, I am much happier in 2D. Can I please just jump back into that paper? So the kid keeps doing this, but at some point he realizes that he's like pretty much out of energy. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I could maybe bring one more drawing to life. And then Prue is like, listen, if I give you back all the energy you gave me and you send me back in the painting, you should have enough to bring two people back. Bring my sister and her husband back. Because at this point, he was just turning living people into superheroes. He wasn't, like, creating people from scratch. He can't just, like, bring dead people to life. But Prue wasn't technically dead, which is why it it did work for her. But, like, when they brought him back to the house, he saw Prue in a painting. He's like, I want to make her a superhero. So he did. Yeah, exactly. He made her, you know, she had real beefy arms. It was hilarious. Mm -hmm. She single-handedly beats up all the villains. They leave. But she's like, no, I am dead. I'm fine with that. Cole and Phoebe need to be here. So he does. He draws Cole and Phoebe. He makes them just, you know, look like regular people because that's what they want to be. Piper and Paige are like, hey, you didn't draw them as superheroes. And then he like turns to the camera and he's like, yes, I did. They've always been superheroes. And it's like really poorly written. And it's just like, whatever. Okay. So they come to life and they are alive, but they don't have any powers. Holy shit. I mean, I guess it's cool they're back, but like, what's a world without magic? Well, it was nice to see Prue for another episode. She had a really colorful outfit. It was great. Yeah, and now they like kind of know she's looking after them for real. Like they, they kind of thought she might be, but it's good to know that everyone's happy. Yeah. Except maybe Phoebe and Cole, because they're kind of just regular people now. Yeah. Okay, well. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. All right, Brian. Then we watched Kill More Girls. Can you tell us about We Got Us a Pippi Virgin? Absolutely. So this episode is about Lorelai really trying to make Rory and Dean's relationship and her relationship sort of work. Like she's trying to like integrate Dean back into her life because Rory's dating him. Yeah, because it's kind of clear Rory wants that to happen and Lorelai wants Rory to be happy. Yeah, and she wants to have a good relationship with her daughter. And the only way that's going to happen is if she's accepting of Dean. It's really interesting, right? Because it's sort of like exactly the same thing that happened with Jess. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because like Lorelai's like, Dean's the fucking best. And then now it's like, well. <laughs> uh. So the episode starts in the Dragonfly Inn kitchen where Suki and Lorelai are thinking up ways to attract more businessmen. They joke about having a bunch of prostitutes because businessmen love prostitutes. And then they're like, well, how do we get the prostitutes here? And they're like, a big sign about hoes. And then Lorelai's like, or we could just invite Bill Maher. So I looked this up. Apparently, Bill Maher is known for hiring prostitutes. Didn't know. But I don't know that that was known when this came out. I feel like the article I read was like not that old. So maybe it was speculated. Yeah, maybe it was speculated. I feel like the Lucy K shit was speculated for a long time before that became like a news story. Yeah, sure. But they keep pushing the Bill Maher thing (laughs) a couple times. Jackson shows up and he's in a real bad mood because being a town selectman is like wearing him out. In the last episode, he won and then made a speech about how he doesn't want to do it, but he's doing it. I mean, the poor guy has to dress up every single day now and he only has two dress shirts, one of which he gets some 
vegetable on and it ruins it. He needs to get more shirts. Yeah. He needs to get dress shirts with pictures of himself printed on it. Yeah. Just like his pajamas. Lorelai also like asked Jackson to sign the parking thing from last episode. (laughs) He's like, et tu form a friend. And then his wife is like, I can forge a signature. (laughs) (laughs) While they're in the kitchen, Dean walks past and accidentally makes eye contact with Lorelai, ruining both of their days. Yeah. They like look at each other and then look away like, oh, well, I didn't mean to look at you. Neither is comfortable being around each other at all. You know, because of the whole him sleeping with Rory while he was married and that eventually ruining his marriage and Rory's reputation in town. Yeah, just that. Yeah, and his haircut. So that's sort of setting the stage for the episode. Like, oh, things are awkward between them. He's there to like sand a door down or something. He, they like kind of mention later while he's there. At Yale, Rory is having lunch with Richard. This is cute. It's kind of cute, Yeah. Richard is talking about one of his business partners and, like, joyfully mentions how absolutely cutthroat their relationship is. Like, honestly, his work environment sounds very toxic. He's all like, yeah, I mean, my business partner would, like, screw me out of everything if he had the chance. But, of course, I would do that to him, too. It's just how it is. He tried to get one past me this week by sending me a late email thinking I wouldn't read it, but I read it. So he can't swindle me out of everything, I guess. (laughs) So he's going to miss Friday night dinner. He's going to be out of town. This is not the part I thought was cute. No. But I just want to point out, like, Richard left his, like, personal business to, like, re-enter this, like, sociopathic business model. Like, good for you, Richard. I hope you're happy. Yeah, who knows? He hated it. His business partner, by the way, his name is Dickie. I just wanted to mention that. It's fair to mention. Richard is, like, monologuing about work, but then notices that he's monologuing about work and starts to ask Rory what she's reading. And Richard mentions that he just read the final volume of The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, a book that took him 36 years to finish. This is important for later. That's why I mention it. He also just kind of asks if Emily happens to have mentioned her car recently because he knows it's due for a six-month service. Car servicing is, of course, something my grandma always talked about. (laughs) It, It does feel like something old people would bring up. Really? Yeah, what, I mean, my grandma, every time she wrote me a letter, would just, like, tell me how the weather that day was, let me know the last time my uncle stopped by, and then close with, like, well, that's all for now. I better get this in the mailbox before the mailman comes. It was always the exact same letter. I gotta get oil in that car. I'm just saying, I think your grandma, or any grandma, could have replaced the uncle bit with her car. Yeah, I don't know. Emily's got, she's more sophisticated, okay? She's got the DAR, she's got shit to talk about. The point is, Richards is concerned about Emily. Yeah, and Rory can sense that. So Rory suggests that, like, you know, maybe he could ask Emily about the car. And then it seems like she's maybe going to start talking about their problems, and like maybe suggest they fix things. But he just, like, expertly and immediately just, like, shuts that down with, uh, oh, your chicken is getting cold. It was beautiful. Yeah. Like, kind of a dick move, honestly, but just showing how much, like, status he has. (laughs) Yeah, he probably learned this trick at his, like, business school for sociopaths that him and Dickie went to. Yes. I mean, it's such a power move, because Roy's just like, okay, then we'll talk about something else. It is a power move, but it doesn't seem malicious, though. No, not at all. just like, we're not talking about that anymore. Yeah, not mean at all. Just like, P.S., I don't want to talk about that, and I'm going to put that in words about chicken. Yeah. Lorelai swings by Luke's for some coffee and some flirting, and I love it. I love it so much. I love coffee when they or flirt. I love both. It's my favorite thing to do is you have a little coffee, you flirt, make sure your breath's okay because of the coffee, then you flirt some more. I love it. Please, Lorelai and Luke, just keep flirting forever. Just be in love and be fine, please. You never come in here for coffee flirts. Uh, it's because we don't brush our teeth anymore, honey. I mean, that's. <laughs> that's fair. 
We just drink coffee all day. Yeah. And our breath is always ruined. It is forever. He tries to get her not to pay, and she's like, I still got to pay. He's like, all right, but don't tip. And he mentions that, like, actually, you probably never should have tipped me because I'm the proprietor, and you're not supposed to tip the proprietor of businesses. I didn't know that. Interesting. I know you're not supposed to tip the manager. I mean, I don't think they're going to not take it. They're just going to give it to the staff. Right. On her way out, though, she has a meet awkward with Dean. (laughs) I thought they both played this really well. Yeah. It felt awkward for real. Yeah, it felt so uncomfortable. Lorelai, I feel like, is like trying to connect to him, like trying to like force through the awkwardness, you know? Like she mentioned seeing him at the end and like makes a dumb excuse that he looked busy, so that's why she didn't say hi. Dean's like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Like Dean in this scene looks like he just wants to run into the woods to get away. Like a puppy that desperately is pulling on its leash and would like bite its leg to get out of a bear trap to get away from this conversation. Yeah, like Riley wanting to go after a ball. Yeah. <laughs> Lorelai is also very uncomfortable, but she like wants to sit in this because she has to. Yeah, she's essentially like, ah, this. we're going to have to sit here until it gets good, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's even like, you know what, uh, next time you're three in, stop by and like, let's talk and have coffee and let's make that happen. But it's still very awkward. And then they very awkwardly say, Dean says, have a nice day. Yeah, just like in Buffy. He actually say, have a good day. Almost just like in Buffy. Right after he says that, she does this like turtle face. <laughs> she just like, her shoulders go up and like into her neck. It just feels so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so things aren't good between them. That night at Friday night dinner, Lorelai goes to Emily's and bam, there's just a giant cube in the living room, like a, like a high tech phone booth. It looks like a like a futuristic outhouse. It's a panic room. It's just a panic room. It's funny because Lorelai just starts roasting her for this right away. And she's just like, it's really small. It's more like an anxiety room. It's yeah. kind of funny. Emily says it can fit one or two. And Lorelai's like, so do like two people go in at a time and then two other people go in and panic? <laughs> Yeah, Emily, like, hates all Lorelai's jokes. But honestly, and I get it, sometimes Lorelai's jokes aren't funny, but I feel like all of these were good. Yeah. Lorelai's like, let's try it out. I'm going to get you. Get in there. (laughs) And then the doorbell rings. She's like, quick, quick, get in. Yeah, it's super funny. So Rory shows up, and Emily goes to get them drinks, but then complains about her very small, rinky-dink little drink cart. Apparently Richard, quote-unquote, stole their good one during the night one time. I don't know why Emily can't just buy another one. She's super rich. She just had a fucking future cube dropped off at her house. Well, maybe it happened like two days ago. Yeah. Emily goes on to say that she got her like panic closet because she's never lived alone and she doesn't think Richard would even come help her. Rory keeps trying to defend Richard, but like Emily isn't having it. Uh, Emily asks him what they want to drink and Lorelai wants a drink that's got gin in it. So Emily goes to get one and realizes she's out of gin and she gets mad. So she tells the maid to check everywhere for it. Lorelai tells her to check the bathtub, which was funny. And when the maid can't find it in the kitchen, she's like, I'll go check the bathtub. And I was like, don't. That was a joke. Lorelai, don't joke with the staff. They don't do that. (laughs) That was very funny. But then the maid's like, oh, I went to go check the study, Richard's study, but it's locked. That just makes Emily furious. She's like, well, I'm going to go and see if he's got any in the pool house. So she just like storms over to the pool house. And this is clearly, right, clearly an excuse for Emily just to like snoop on Richard while he's like gone, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's 100% what this whole endeavor is. I thought this scene was masterful. Yeah, this scene is great. She, Emily just immediately starts going through all of his shit. Emily is just like in his closet, you know, looking for gin and finds a very colorful vest. Like it's got like glitter stripes on it, like gold glitter stripes. She's like shocked. She's like, what kind of debauchery is Richard up to? He's got mints. He's got this vest. How dare he have a vest like that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. 
and Lorelai's like, well, maybe it's from, you know, a long time ago. And she's like, no, Richard never used to dress up like that gay fellow whose tiger tried to eat him. <laughs> Super funny. There's so many funny jokes, like, very quickly here. There's jokes about Rory, like, being naive about alcohol, colors. Yeah, yeah she grabs some brown booze. Yeah. And she's like, this is Jen, right? Lorelai's like, I love that you think that. <laughs> Yeah, and then Rory says that they need to get out of there. Like, she says, we've got a vamoose. And Lorelai said, no, we need gin, not vamoose. <laughs> and then also Rory's just, like, cutely, verily uncomfortable and desperately trying to cover their tracks. She's just like, do the mints look right? Is this how it looked like when we came in? It's great. It's, like, packed with dialogue. Such a dense scene. Just, like, boom, boom, boom. And it's great. It's, like, one of those songs in a musical where, like, three people are singing about their own thing at the same time. Yes. Like, Emily's got this agenda of snooping. Rory's got this agenda of we need to make it clear we were not here. Yeah. Grandpa's a cool guy, everybody. And then Lorelai is just kind of, like, bouncing between them. Like, she's looking at random stuff all around. She's trying to help her mom. She's, like, talking to Rory. It's, it's great. Yeah. So funny. No, honestly, this is probably the best scene in the episode. It was really well done. I liked it a lot. Afterward, Lorelai and Rory head to Luke's. Rory says she's going to stop by and say hi to Dean on her way home. Dean's now staying with his old friend, Kyle. You guys remember Kyle? He was the, like, kind of naive but good-hearted friend from his bachelor party. He's the one that had the Hummels. You said it right. I did. I practiced all day. He just got back from the Navy, I guess. More about that later. Lorelai and Rory acknowledge that the Dean situation is weird. But Lorelai says that she doesn't want it to be weird. She wants it to be like it used to be when they used to all hang out and have fun. And like, she doesn't like the weirdness. She wants to fix it. So she suggests, what if we all hang out? We go on a double day. You and Dean, me and Luke. Now she says this when Luke is away getting food. Luke comes back uh, at just the last part. And she's like, oh, would you hang out all of us together? And Luke's like, yeah, of course. Thinking she just means her and Rory. Yeah. And then Rory's like, awesome. I'll go tell Dean. And then leaves. And then Luke's all like, uh, go tell Dean when now? It seems like Luke didn't even know Rory was dating Dean. He didn't. Which I guess is a little weird that she didn't tell him, but I don't know. She kind of explains. Luke gets a little upset. He's like, were you hiding this from me? She's like, no, I didn't know if she wanted people to know that they were dating, so I didn't mention it. It's fair, I guess, but it seems like you'd tell your boyfriend. Yeah, and and Luke isn't psyched about this because he doesn't like Dean, and he kind of puts together in this moment, like, wait, did he leave Lindsay for Rory? Right. And he's got reason to think that that's what happened, too. So Lorelai's like, you know what? You can back out. But Luke's like, no, no, no. I said, I'll go. It's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. You can trust me. I'm Luke. There's no way I'm going to have a weird emotional response. That's not something my character does all the time. Cut to Luke following some woman through an apartment building, telling her to get out. (laughs) She doesn't work for the power company. (laughs) So Rory goes to Kyle's to see Luke. What? Is that the apartment he went to? (laughs) Luke, I need to talk to you about how you feel about Dean. And I know you're busy yelling at this woman, but... Listen, I'm at Kyle's right now. (laughs) So Rory goes to Kyle's to see Dean, and we find out, okay? Are you listening? We find out that Kyle, our good friend Kyle, is missing a fucking hand. Why? He went to the Navy. Uh, No, I get He uh, First off, how do you lose a hand in the Navy? Did a shark bite his hand off? I don't know. We were at war with Afghanistan at this time. Who knows what he had to do? Was he defusing a mine in the water? How do you lose a hand in the Navy? You know what? My cousin was in the Navy, and he went to Afghanistan. So I don't exactly know. But also, Kyle was a good guy, and Amy took his fucking hand? Why? He's got a hook now. I mean, he's doing okay, babe. He's doing great. This really annoyed me. Amy probably took Kyle's hand so she could, like, give it to fucking Tristan or Logan so someone could have a second hand. Yes, Logan has a third hand that we're going to meet. It wasn't enough to take away Kyle's Hummel. 
and then take away his strip club adventure. Now you're going to take his hand? Not cool, Amy. But because Kyle is cool as shit, he's taking this loss in stride. Dude's got a positive attitude. But also, he's apparently like knee-deep and strange right now. Um, (laughs) Women apparently love this hook. It's almost like Amy was like, listen, we're going to take Kyle's hand. I know that sucks, but we're going to give him a lot of sex. So it's okay, guys. Kyle went from feeling banned for strippers last season to telling Rory that he was going to make some phone calls to quote-unquote check his traps to see if any girls wanted to hook up. To check his traps. He said he might throw Stacy a little something. He's like that Mambo number five song. He just keeps listing like various women's names that he could hook up with. Dude comes back in the room two minutes later and says a couple of his girls took the bait. And he's thinking of doing a back to backer. That's his term. (laughs) Then he gets another phone call and sets up a triple header. That's my term. Good one. What the fuck happened at sea, dude? I don't know. Like, made a deal with, like, a siren. Like, I'm going to give you my hand, but women cannot resist me. I just want to make it clear, he could be lying about all of that. He could be. We only hear him say he's doing well and see him talk on a phone. We don't see any women or hear any of their side of the story. That's true, but we do hear him talk to somebody on the phone. Do we hear her? No, but, like, no one's in the room when he's having this conversation. Dean didn't leave, did he? Um, I don't know. I thought they both left, but I guess maybe they didn't. It's true. He could be faking all this. I hope not. I don't think that's true, but it's kind of a funny option. Rory, by the way, stays at Kyle's for like less than two minutes. Yeah, I don't know why she's got to go. Like she's, I think, staying in Stars Hollow. I don't know if that's true, but it's Friday and she comes back Saturday. Maybe she had plans with Lorelai. I don't know why they couldn't hang out. I don't know why either, honestly. So she comes in, she talks Dean into the double date, takes a quick phone call from Lane, all the while Dean is just like desperately trying to kiss her. And she's like, I'm on the phone. And then she just leaves. It must suck for Dean to see Kyle constantly slamming salmon when he keeps getting denied. Is that a term we're calling that? that's what I'm calling it. Okay. (laughs) When you've been at sea for a while, that's what it's called. (laughs) I'm trying not to swear as much. What do you want me to say? I I want you to start inventing fish terms for vaginas. I mean, there already are many. I'm trying to avoid (laughs) the obvious. No, what you're doing is perfect. Okay. Dean even says, like, oh, I hate these short visits. And she's like, it's better than no visit at all. And he's like, yeah. But it's like, you weren't there and you took a goddamn phone call. Like, maybe don't take a phone call in the two minutes you're there to see Dean. Maybe she had plans with Lorelai because she was like rushing through dessert to go see Dean and she's like checked with her mom to see if it was okay. So maybe they were going to do something, but it was never said. It was weird that they couldn't just like have the night together. Or have 10 minutes. I don't know. So the next day, Lorelai's on the phone with Rory when Emily calls, making a big deal about giving Lorelai her panic room code without anyone hearing it. Lorelai's like, maybe tell dad he's like a lot closer but emily is like no because richard probably wouldn't help her and she also says that vest of his is so loud he wouldn't be able to hear me screaming holy fuck that is funny it's so funny (laughs) that vest is so loud he wouldn't be able to hear me screaming she hates that vest uh the code is just one 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 (laughs) it's just (laughs) once she doesn't know how to change the factory setting when they're done lorelei switches back to rory who says she thinks that richard is miserable Lorelai's like, I don't know. He seems very happy with his valet and their new modern relationship. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah, she's obsessed with the valet. It's interesting because Lorelai's like, they should just get divorced already. And Rory's very much like, no, divorce is not the answer. And I think it's because she wants her grandparents to be together. But it's also interesting because she's like in the middle of a divorce. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if the writers 
thought about that? They don't really address that. No. Like parallel those. But that is an interesting thought. Maybe some part of Rory's like, if I save this marriage, that makes it okay because I ruined this other one. Yeah. I don't get that vibe, but like, I, maybe. Could be. But Rory mentions to Lorelai that Richard just finished The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, a book that he would never have read unless he was miserable and doing it as a cry for help. She could also tell he was concerned about Emily's safety because he was asking about the car. Lorelai's kind of like, well, why didn't you say all this to Grandma? And Rory's like, well, I just learned the less you tell Grandma, the better. <laughs> Lorelai's like, finally get it. I've been trying to yeah. teach you this forever. So that was funny. That's true. That's funny. So then Lorelai stops by her dad's pool home, ostensibly to get something from Emily. But Richard tells Lorelai that she should know that Emily has DAR meetings on Saturdays. Lorelai says that she must have forgotten. But I think that that was a lie. I think she 100% knew her mom wasn't going to be there and meant to stumble across her dad to have this conversation. That's what I was going to ask. Because, I mean, Lorelai historically doesn't love to be alone with her dad. And the last time they were, it was kind of an awkward conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't really believe she would want to do this, but maybe she feels like she needs to. Well, I mean, it was just so set up with that previous phone call Mm -hmm. with Rory that I was like, I think this is on purpose. Well, she sits down and chats with him for a minute, asking questions about what he's been up to. He mentions that he's joined a barbershop quartet, that they sing at charities and dress up in funny outfits like his vest. Lorelai just keeps saying, aha, to him unknowingly answering all the mysteries of their late night pool house visit. And at some point, he's like, why do you keep saying aha? Stop saying aha. It's loud. <laughs> and they like had a whole thing with like why he has breath mints on his desk. And he's like, I don't know. You pick one up. You forget you have it. Pick up another and the cycle continues. And she's like, kind of like me and men. I thought that was interesting. I mean, Lorelai is aware of her problems. I don't know that she's actively trying to fix any of them. But she tells Richard to, you know, tell Emily about some of the things he's doing, like his barbershop quartet stuff. He's like, well, she wouldn't be interested in what I do. But Lorelai insists that he should tell her that she does want to know. Specifically, like, like you would like to know what she does. And he kind of does this, like, eyebrow raise thing that sort of, like, concedes that maybe she's right. But he doesn't, like, verbally say that. I feel like he then sort of brushes off and kind of ends the conversation and says, like, well, I'll tell my valet to tell Emily you were here. That the chicken's getting cold. Yeah, exactly. But the look on his face, I think, was like, okay, well, maybe my daughter has a point here. Mm -hmm. Dennis date night. A.K.A. this is when the episode falls apart. I still like parts of it. Well, we'll talk about it, and I'll explain why you're wrong. Um, No, 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 no. No, No, there are parts that are good. I just, it just bothered me so much. So it's date night. Luke is already annoyed when the date starts. When he sees that Dean is wearing what he believes to be creased slacks. Dean doesn't have any clothes that aren't wrinkled. Yeah, Luke, like, we already know Luke hates dressing up. So does Dean. It's true. That is true. But Luke is, like, notorious, like, wants to wear a hat every second of his life. But, you know, he's nice enough when Dean shows up. It's funny because Lorelai specifically is like, don't say the S word slacks around them. It's going to make Dean uncomfortable. So they decide they're going to go see a movie at the small movie theater they go to sometimes. Don't you historically hate that place? Yes. Do I? I don't, I don't know. You had a problem with that place. I don't remember why. I know we've talked about it, but I don't remember what my problem was. So they grab a bunch of food, and then they go to the movie theater where Kirk and I am using quotations here, is working. (laughs) Yeah. He's supposed to be outside to take their money, but he wasn't. So they come in and he gets surprised and just jumps up thinking they're robbers. And he's like, I got a gun. (laughs) His hair is disheveled, by the way. And it's so funny because in the moment, I'm like, are you asleep? Are you like strung out on drugs? But it's not until a little bit later I realize why he's on the couch or looking that way. 
Luke hands him a 20. He's like, you could get like 16 more people in here with this. He's like, just put it towards popcorn. I was like, how much is it? It's so, it's a doll. I, I mean, it's not a fancy place. It shouldn't cost much. But I was like, this is what? a living room, really. It's a living room with a projector. Kirk then gets up front and like puts on a little presentation, sort of not presentation, but he's all like, hi, I'm Kirk. <laughs> like, yeah, we fucking know who you are, Kirk. Everybody in this room knows you. They've helped you with your night terrors. They were there to see Cool Hand Luke, but Kirk is like, unfortunately, most of that movie was ruined a lot of the first half. But if you want, I can just like reenact parts from it to catch you up. <laughs> and it's really funny because Lorelai's like, uh, you maybe don't because it got really weird the last time you did that when we watched The Last Tango in Paris, which is pretty funny if you know that movie. If you don't, I don't. You, well, if you don't, you butter look it up. Is that a butt pun or a butter pun? Uh, it's both. <laughs> okay, enough said. Kirk is suggesting other movies they have. He's like, well, we have a lot of graphic driver's ed videos or uh, Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> and then Lorelai and Rory go apeshit over Pippi. Apparently, it's a movie they've seen like a hundred times. Dean's seen it at least three times with that. They are just like so pumped. Luke has never seen it. Hence the title, We Got Us a Pippi Virgin. And then they sing the song. Yeah, the movie starts and the girls just like start creepily singing the song right along with it. <laughs> I love that part. I have to say, I have never seen Pippi Longstocking or any incarnation of it, but what the fuck is this movie? It looks crazy. So I have seen and very much loved a different version of this movie called The New Adventures of Pippi Longstocking. It starred Tammy Aaron as Pippi. It had Eileen Brennan, who plays Mrs. Peacock in Clue. Came out in 1988. I loved it. There's this whole scene where she cleans the floor with sponge shoes. It's great. It's the same story. It's based on the Did same Did she pick book. up a cow? Horse. Okay. Yes. So at some point in the video store, we came across this version. I was like, oh my God, there's more Pippi? So we rented it and I immediately was like, this is not my Pippi. This is <laughs> this is crazy. It's, it's older. I think it's like from the 60s. And I think it's a European film. I don't exactly know what country it was made in, but it, I think the version we would have seen is like also dubbed, which just as a child doesn't make any sense because you don't know that there's other languages and like movies mm -hmm. made. You know what I mean? That's just like, why, why aren't their mouths right? What is this? So I don't know that I've actually seen this entire film, but I'm familiar with the story of Pippi. It's sort of like when I was at the movie store and I was a fan of Wizard of Oz. And I saw Return to Oz. And I was like, oh, cool, more Oz. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is a very different movie. We recently watched that. I loved it. It's wild. But, I mean, if you're comparing the two, uh, they're very different aesthetically and narratively and everythingly. Yes, yes, totally. The second one is very much not for children. At all. Like, if you're a child, you're going to be afraid. It's Swedish, by the way, I'm pretty sure. The director and the, the Pippi character are both Swedish. Well, anyway, Pippi Longstocking, the Swedish version, is fucking crazy. It looks like a fever dream. It looks like something Buffy would have seen during her magic trance or <laughs> during Restless. It's insane. Picking up a cow. It's horse. crazy. It was a horse? Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, but anyway, everyone's having a great time, except for Luke, who's being a total douchebag the entire time. Like, Luke is immediately irritable with Dean. Even when they go to sit down, like, they almost sit in the same place. He, like, makes a big deal, like, oh, no, that's fine. No, no, it's fine. You sit there. I'll just go sit over there. And it's like, dude, just, you didn't need to say anything, man. Just sit down. Then, like, a little later, he just, like, turns to Dean and is like, hey, you want to pass that popcorn there, buddy? It's totally unnecessary. Like, if you had asked at all, he would have passed it to you, for sure. There's only four of you. Also, why did they just get two? Well, they only had $20. Yeah, they had, I'm sure it didn't cost $16 to get two popcorns. Yeah. 
He's also just staring death daggers at Dane the entire time when he puts his arm around Rory. Like, he shouldn't be doing that. Like, they're not on a date. It's pretty crazy. Luke is just insane in this scene. And Lorelai calls him on it and tells him to, like, drop the attitude. And he's acting like there's no attitude. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We'll get back to that in a second. Kirk, by the way, is just basically having over-the-close sex with his girlfriend right behind them. He's going to town on Lulu. They are making out hardcore. Is that what was happening when they showed up? Because I think that's like what was, was happening. Well, she wasn't there, though. We didn't. Was he, like, practicing how it would be? We don't see that angle. I think she's there the whole time. Okay. It's just weird that they're not like, hi, Lulu. Well, the way he wakes up, his hair is all disheveled and stuff. He's either sleeping, which is possible, or he's making out with her. And I, I tend to think it was the making out one. Yeah, it's just weird they didn't show that the first time. Because we, we do think he's sleeping when they yeah. show up. But he says it's a great makeout movie, much better yeah. than Blood on the Highway or That's My Daughter's Head. Yeah, the uh, the instructional uh, <laughs> driver's, <laughs> driver's Ed, Ed video titles. movies. Yeah, that was super funny. But like I said, Luke's being shitty and Lorelai's like, you got to be cool. He's like, I said, I'll be cool and I'll be cool. And I hated it so much. I hate Luke in this episode. As soon as Dean and Rory sit back down, Luke just like turns and glares at him again. Well, first he gets the popcorn for Dean and he does this like, oh, thank you. Like over the top, like I'm being nice to you. Mm -hmm. Like he he walks it back so far that it's so disingenuous. You know what I mean? Like if you said nothing, it would come across less mean than the oh thank you, Dean boy. Yeah. After the movie, things seem okay, maybe good, until Lorelai asks what people want to drink. She's like, just shout them out. And Luke says a beer, and Dean's like, yeah, a beer sounds good. And Dean. Luke doesn't like that at all. Luke's like, sure, a beer, cool. I mean, you're not driving or 21. Which was like, I don't know. Like, I get why Luke, that bothered Luke, but it's just like, whatever, man. I think it's totally fine for Dean to have a beer. He's been married. He's had beer. He's not driving. They're just chilling. I think it's weird that Dean in this situation would ask for a beer. Absolutely. I think he should have read the room and been like, people aren't going to be cool with that. I'm just going to not do that right now. Well, I, I would argue that maybe Dean was like, this is a way to connect with Luke. Perhaps, yeah. We're two men having a beer. That's what he's having. I'm going to have what he's having. We're just going to chill and have a beer, clink glasses, have a good time. But there was specifically a scene where Dean went to Friday night dinner and Lorelai jokingly proposed Dean have a beer and he freaked the fuck out. Like, uh, beer in front of adults? I never. I don't even know what beer looks like. Beer? Yeah. So it, it just seems crazy that in this tense situation, he would push that boundary, knowing he's not 21. Yeah, I agree with you, except it's. I could also see how he sees Luke differently than Emily and point. Richard. Yeah. Luke is way more a working man, like Dean. Beer is Luke's love language. Yeah, exactly. So I, I could see a world where Dean is like, this is a way that this is going to improve things as opposed to hurt them. But Luke, uh, you know, he, he can't let it go. It's just so fucking weird, man. I don't know. Like, Lorelai is so, feels so awkward. She doesn't know what to do or how to make it right. She just comes back with a tray with all kinds of drinks and beers on it. And she's like, there's all kinds of things on here. And anyone that feels like they want to have a water or a beer can just take one. Rory is trying hard, 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 hard to find something neutral or positive to talk about. She's like, weren't you guys, like, on a baseball team once together for something? That was fun. You guys are representing the town good. Total bullshit. Boys aren't having it. They're silent and brooding. In an act of desperation, Lorelai pulls out a bop it for them to play. You guys remember bop it? I loved bop it. Twist it, pull it, slap it. It's like a thing you have to do and repeat a pattern. Is it a pattern? I mean, it tells you what to do and you do it. I don't know if 
It's like a Simon says for violence <laughs> towards machines. Well, they get that memo. Luke and Dean get way too aggressive about it and just start slapping this shit out of that boppet like it owes them both money. Luke wins and then is all like, yeah, in your face, in your face. I hammered you, buddy. Because, you know, he's an adult who can drink. <laughs> Dean says it's just a game. And Luke's like, says the loser. Jesus Christ, This Luke. is the part that's like way too much for me. The, the rest, I can see Luke being uncomfortable and like not knowing how to express that. But this specifically is like very childish. Yeah. You're like, oh, Dean's having a beer. Well, one sip of beer and you're a psychopath, man. So like chill out. Dean's like, yeah, maybe I should leave. Rory's upset. And Luke is somehow confused by why Rory's upset. She calls him out for making zero effort and then like heads back to school. I like that she called him out. Me too. Because, I mean, it is her mom's boyfriend, but she like knows him. Yeah, she's got a relationship with Luke. And she calls him out, but like isn't like, you bastard. She's just like, you didn't try. Mm -hmm. And then Luke's suddenly like, oh, I feel bad. Like, dude, you, you didn't notice that you were being crazy like one minute ago? Like, you didn't feel bad then? Or, like, when Lorelai tried to talk to you earlier, you didn't feel bad? Lorelai tries to, like, blame herself, which I feel bad. It's like, Lorelai, don't do this. It's Luke's fault. It's not your fault. But she tries to blame herself. She's like, I should never have suggested this. Luke says that he should never have agreed to hang out because he can't stand being around Dean because he's not good enough for Rory. He points out that Dean was pining after Rory when he got married to somebody else, so he doesn't know what he wants. He's broken her heart before. How can Rory trust him? These are good points about why Dean might be flawed. And not a good choice for Rory. But dude, it isn't your place to say this here or to like decide for Rory. You know what I mean? You got to do the Wisconsin thing where you go out, you act nice as hell. And then afterwards you talk tons of trash about him with your partner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Lauren like calls him on some of this. She's like, well, who is good enough then? Is Jess good enough? And Luke's like, no, maybe a prince is. It's very interesting because there is double standard here. Like Luke wanted Jess to date Rory. Luke also saw Jess drinking at his brother-in-law's bachelor party and was like, hmm, like gave him a look like he didn't like it, especially because Jess stole that beer from someone else, but like didn't tell him, hey, you can't drink. Didn't make snide comments then. He also wasn't dating Rory then. Yeah, that's true. Luke then goes on to explain how Rory is just like pippy. <laughs> he like gleaned all this from the movie. Yeah, it is pretty funny that he was like, you watched the movie and followed it all. <laughs> Like, he's describing Rory as strong, amazing, independent, able to lift a horse over her head. And she's unique. And, like, you know, that's exactly like Rory. So Rory needs someone special. He even asked Laura, like, are you comfortable with the Dean and Rory thing? And her answer is sort of like, it doesn't matter. I don't have control over it. But I need this to work. And the way she says that triggers something in Luke. And he realizes she's upset. I, I feel like her answer was like, I'm not okay with it. But, like, I need to be supportive of Rory at this time. Yeah. And then Luke, like, feels that, and he's like, well, look at me, not stopping till I've upset everyone who means anything in the world to me in one night. Then the two hug, and I'm like, no, Luke, you should be saying you're sorry right now. Those are the words these men need to learn in this show, is I'm sorry. Yeah. And then they have a beer, and I want to point out that Luke opened a beer when she brought them out, and then put it down to bop it, and then opens a new beer. Unless he slammed that one, he's just got a loose beer somewhere. Yeah. Dean probably took it home. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rory sees Dean when she's driving back to school, and the two admit that the night was not great. Well, the night ended poorly. It was actually really fun when they were at the movie theater. It was a lot like old times, and Dean even says that he thought Lorelai was cool. Yeah. 
Then he says he'd invite Rory over, but Kyle's entertaining some buddies, which honestly could mean that Kyle's having an orgy right now, considering what he's doing. Mm-hmm. The two kiss, and they seem happy. Also, Richard stops by Emily's to update her on some, like, boring stuff about their property tax bill, and then stops right before he leaves to tell her briefly about his barbershop quartet and their vests. Then he goes to leave and stops again when he sees the panic cube, and Emily says, I bought a panic room. <laughs> and he just says, very good, and leaves. <laughs> well, she had said very good in response to his barbershop quartet. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good. I feel like it's funny. I feel like it didn't bother Richard, though. The panic room? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just like, I, I don't need to ask questions. But it was it was cool choreography. Yeah. This tall man just like stops, sticks straight, staring at the panic room, which kind of got revealed as he left. Yeah. It's a very funny visual, this panic room. <laughs> then it's not everything that happened in this episode, though. No, we skipped a whole thing. There's three very quick scenes just like peppered in. And that's the Lane storyline. So if you guys remember in the last episode, Lane just like tells Zach, hey, I've liked you for a very long time. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think I want to be with you. And then the two walk in different directions. Well, the band is still together and they're having band practice and it is very awkward. Zach is upset again for some nonsense reasons and wants to take a break to clear his head. He's having some trouble actually learning a chord that Brian is trying to teach him. So he sits down to read a magazine. Lane tries to ask him how he's doing and like, you know, is anything on his mind? He's like, oh, not not anything really. Then he gets sort of uncomfortable maybe and walks away. Then later, Lane and Zach and Brian are all (laughs) using the kitchen sink because the bathroom sink is clogged. Brian's there brushing his teeth. Zach is shaving and Lane is doing her makeup. They're complaining about how they need to get more necessities for the house. Like they need a plunger to fix the bathroom. And Zach's like, I know a place we can get one use. Yeah. It's just like this weird thing because Lane is like so waiting for romance. He's yeah. like, you want to go get a plunger today? <laughs> I know a place that's got gross one. A used plunger? <laughs> when Brian steps away, Lane just turns to Zach and says, she was wrong. She doesn't like Zach. She was just confused before and they're just bandmates and that's all they'll ever be. She walks away. Zach is confused and still shaving. And then later, finally, Zach just like kind of storms into Luke's to see Lane. He's got some stuff to say. He's obviously prepared it. He like walks up and he's like, you know me better than anyone because you saw me cry that time during Dances with Wolves. You know that it takes me time to process stuff. Just like when I was trying to learn that chord from Brian. I need time to process things. That's just the way I am. And the situation between like him and her, he's still processing that. He needs some time to figure it out. And he's like, is that okay? And she's like, okay. Then she asks if he wants anything to eat. He says, yes. And she's like, what? And he's like, I need a minute. <laughs> It's pretty funny. So obviously something's going to happen there. She wants some reaction from him. At some point, she even calls Rory, and she's all like, Rory, I love you. I want to date you. And Rory's like, what? And she's like, that's all I wanted was a reaction. Well, she got it. She did. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? I did. I, I enjoyed it while we were watching it. I was expecting it to be a not good one because it's not as highly rated as others on, say, IMDb. And I feel like I see people talk about this one negatively. But it is all that Luke stuff. Like, everything else is pretty fun. Yeah. Everything with Richard and Emily is either adorable or hilarious. Yeah. There are some fun moments with Luke and Lorelai earlier on, I think. It's, like, sweet that Luke cares about Rory. Yeah. But, yeah, Luke's behavior is a lot. And I I can see how that kind of ruins it for you. The thing with Luke is, like, 
I feel like there's things you can have characters do crazy things that like fit their character, but they've done this before with Luke, where some of his behavior is downright like emotionally unstable. Right. Like I could see being a little grumpy to him, but that thing with the bop, it was like you would get thrown out of a house for doing this. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like bad writing. Like it's just too much. It's like Luke would do this, but they just like take it too far. Yeah, but specifically him being like, I could see a bop it getting a little aggressive, but it's when the he's celebration. all like in your face, I hammered you. Like, this is an inconsequential game that doesn't matter. And your deal isn't that you think you're better than Dean. Your deal right. is that you don't think he's good enough for Rory. Exactly. So, like, what is this? And Dean, other than the beer thing, which was not an attack on Luke, has not been fighting Luke at all. He's been super submissive and nice to Luke. So there's nothing, like, fueling Luke's, you know, for Luke to really go off on. So, uh, yeah, and, and if if he had been, like, vigorously making out with Rory, yeah, maybe Luke could then be like, oh, come on, dude. But like, Yeah, or been just, like, disrespectful the whole night. But I feel like Dean was trying. Like, if he was even at the movie theater, you look over, you see Dean's got his arm around Rory. Oh, that doesn't seem like a big deal when you look five feet over and you see that Kirk and Lulu have rashes from their dry humping. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just, it seemed, it seemed too crazy. Especially, especially after Lorelai specifically said to him, like, I need you to be cool. That's your check. That's your like, oh, okay, maybe I need to pull it back. Yeah. And the beer thing, it's like, what are you going to say? If Lorelai gives him a beer, then that's fine. You talk to Lorelai later about how you didn't like that. Yes. Yes. All of these things that Luke was feeling, he should have held in and expressed to Lorelai after. Honestly, like Max Medina did. Well, maybe Luke saw how that went for Max Medina. So he's like, <laughs> I got to be yeah. weird. I don't want to be another breath mint. I, uh. <laughs> what? <laughs> like oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got man it. Like breath makes <laughs> it's like, I need to be aggressive immediately. <laughs> I need to be memorable. But yeah, Kyle was delightful. That whole vest pool house scene was great. The panic room was funny. There's so much good in this episode. So I do think it was a good episode. I, I have to say it is so good. Except, so here's the difference for me. This is why I'm going to tell you right now that I think Buffy wins. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're there. No, I mean, we're there. Let's do it. Gilmore was probably funnier because Gilmore had a couple like real good jokes, like really good ones. Like his vest is so loud he wouldn't hear me screaming. So funny. So funny. Kirk was funny. Kirk was funny. It was just so many really funny lines. I don't think Buffy matched it with humor at all in this episode. Giles was funny. Giles was funny. I, I mean, Buffy was funny, but I feel like Gilmore Girls probably had the edge humor-wise this time. Mm -hmm. But I really feel like Buffy hit me with the emotion edge this time. And I'm going to say, generally, that's going to be what tips it for me. I think I'm going to go Buffy as well. You don't have to. If you no, thought I, Gilmore I was better, you should go that way. No, I was just like surprised by how good Gilmore was. Because after Buffy, I was like expecting it to not be Gilmore. But then I was like, wait a minute. She's in contention. But I don't think there was as... Sometimes when I can't decide, I look at, like, which episode was less bad. Okay. And I think the things that I didn't like about Buffy were just, like, the Riley part was just kind of dumb. Like, we're going to throw this in because we are still dealing with the fact that Riley's insecure about his masculinity, yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. But that just, like, all felt boring and annoying. Yeah. But that wasn't that big of a part of it. But, like, the whole magic shop opening was really fun and... I liked the villain and the last scene was very good. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it set up a lot. It set up some stuff for Anya. Still not getting much Willow and Tara this season so far. But um, yeah, I, I think it was just, there was more goodness in Buffy. But it, it's hard because there was some really good stuff early on in Gummer Girls for me. I mean, like Richard caring about Emily and coming to tell her that he was in the quartet. Yeah, that was good. I just don't feel like it, it was an emotionally as strong as what we saw in Buffy. Right. That's more of a, huh. 
Buffy had me like just crying. I mean, uh, you were crying. No, you were like, why aren't you crying? I'm crying so much. <laughs> I've been exposed to that orb though, so that might be what it is. Mm. So it, it is close for me because mm-hmm. I was definitely very entertained by Gilmore Girls. It's when you have something like the Luke thing, where it's just like such an impossible, improbable thing, where you're just like, that's just not fair to the character, and the other characters would be much angrier at Luke. It just it bothers me so much. I'm like, I want to like Luke, and and I'm fine with Luke having flaws for sure, but this just seems like an insane behavior that we're just not giving him shit for. I think the intentions were good. I think they're trying to say Dean is not good enough for Rory. Rory doesn't see that yet, but, like, literally everyone else does. Yeah. And we're going along with this for now until Rory figures out something else to do and realizes this herself. Because I, I think it's clear that the show doesn't want us to root for Rory and Dean at this point. Right. It's it's bad. It's not going well. Yeah. I don't know who's like, they'll figure it out. Well, I mean, Dean's sister is rooting for them. That's yeah. probably the only person. Does she date Kyle? Dean's sister? <laughs> I'm sure Dean's sister has. I'm talking about Rory. I can't say anything. Oh, wow. Well, let's wrap this shit up. Okay. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 6, Norman Mailer, I'm Pregnant. Okay, interesting. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 6, Family. Both are about babies. Are they? No, I, I don't know. I don't know. In the meantime, we'd love to hear thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Did you think Luke's behavior was like completely out of character or do you think that's fine? Like this, this, this fits. Would you have been just like super chill hanging out around that orb? Do you think Dean was trying to like bond with Luke by getting that beer or do you think that was just a misjudgment in his part? What's Don's relationship with T? That's <laughs> eh, funny. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash brianandstacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live-streamed watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. Shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers, Alexandra Milroy, Jennifer Lake, Jillian Montalano, and Tara. For more non-podcast comedy content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. I'm going to get a beer, man. Brian, you are not 21. I am driving, though, baby. Bye!